scripture this morning. Uh, we continue in 1 Peter. We will be in chapter 3, and we will begin in verse 8 and go through verse 17. In your pew Bible, it's found on page 1205. Again, that's 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. There it's written. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good that if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O oh, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Hey, Will, do you mind taking me down a couple notches? I appreciate it. So there's something going on here in Peter's letter that is a sudden change from where we have been the past couple weeks. So, so the past three weeks, four weeks, really, Peter's been talking to us about the call of the Christian in exile to submit, that, that if there's an authority over us, we are called into submission to that authority. But it seems that, that there's a, a shift in the way Peter is now talking to us. There, there, there's a shift moving from submission, and, and, the, and it's receding like the tide, and in its place coming in is this wave of suffering and understanding about suffering. And as this shift is occurring here in his letter, Peter takes this moment to be a cheerleader, to be an encourager to us exiles and sojourners in our faith in this fallen world. Because four times we were told to submit to the authorities over us. I mean, he reminded us, he told us, essentially he demanded that for Christians we are to submit. 
and it's difficult work. And so he knows as exiles in a fallen world and, and saying, yeah, but what do we do if our government is evil? What do we do if our employer is unjust and, and doing evil things? What do we do if my spouse isn't godly? What do we do? And time after time, his call to us was to submit. Yet still... He knows that it is hard. It's a, it's a difficult work to submit and knows that we need encouragement because part of our flesh wants to, wants to take up arms against the unjust and the ungodly and the evil and the reviling and the slander. There, there's a part of our flesh that says, no, I want to battle and wage war against this. But Peter says the call for us Christians in exile is not that. What's demanded of us is submission. So he encourages us. He says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. He says, in the face of injustice, in the face of, of evil, in the face of of persecution in the, pay, in the face of slander and deceit, we are called not only to submit to the authorities above us, but we are also called as Christians to be a blessing. To be a blessing. And in this section, he's not calling us to bless God. But he's calling us to bless others, and specifically our enemies and those who revile us, those who perpetrate evil against us and persecute us, to be a blessing, to bless the ungodly ruler, to bless the unjust employer and boss and manager, to bless the difficult husband or wife. For that a Christian community is a community that blesses others. Now, it would be quite easy if, if Peter took a different route, right? If he took the route that says, hey, as Christians, we're called to submit to these authorities that happen to be over us. Because he's already called us to be different than the world. And him knowing how difficult it is, it would have been really easy for Peter to say, okay, now, not only are you supposed to be different from the world, you're supposed to submit to the earthly authority, but why don't you go ahead and cut yourself off from them? Let's go into isolation, let the world be the world, and we're going to do our own thing and have as little interaction with them as possible, right? Kind of a retreat mode, an avoidance of conflict, right? Avoiding conflict is, is, is something... We're, we understand because we avoid conflict because we associate conflict with pain. And the one thing we want to do in our life is have as little pain as possible. And so Peter knows that would be the easy route, but that's not the way God has called us to live while in exile. But rather, he has called us in the midst of our exile that as we live in this fallen world, 
in this fallen world that has less and less respect for you and, 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 and our beliefs in Jesus, that, that think that what we do is a waste of time on a Sunday morning? Do you know how much more time you would have to get things done if you weren't here, if you weren't a part of this? Do you know what you could be out doing? Do you know the amount of sleep you could be getting right now? They see it as foolishness. However, Peter calls us to be a blessing. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. No revenge. Not our calling. Our calling is to bless. And he gives us an example right away. Right away, he goes and he quotes David in Psalm 34, which also was our call to worship this morning. And, and he quotes this part of Psalm 34. He says, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. David is reminding us in his psalm to be a blessing. But there's layers to this. It's like, it's like an onion that as you start peeling this back and, 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 and Peter goes that we're called to be a blessing and then he points us back to a, a psalm that David wrote where it, it comes to the same conclusion to go be a blessing, to, to do the good. The good that we're called to is to be the blessing. But then, when you look at Psalm 34 in specific, you peel back one more layer. There's a title to this psalm. And the, and the title is this. It's of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. This is the psalm that David writes after he is anointed king. Saul is still the ruler. Samuel is anointed David as king. But now Saul has become unjust and ungodly himself and begins to persecute David. And David is sent out into exile. He retreats away into exile and for years becomes an exile and a sojourner living in caves. He's retreated to caves. He's anointed king, but now he is in exile. Peter, who's called us exiles and sojourners, points to the one who came before us as an exile and sojourner and says, even King David, look to him, hear his words, because while he was hiding in caves, he writes this. And he writes this not because it is some lofty ideal, but King David writes this because this is what he lived. See, as David was hiding in a cave, and out in exile, over those years, he had two chances to take Saul's life that would end the persecution and put him immediately upon the throne. In the first instance, David is in a cave and he's over in the darkness and Saul wanders in unknowingly that David is in there. And so David, having the chance to take his life, does not. Instead, he cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. Saul exits the cave, and as he gets to a distance, David comes to the opening of the cave and calls out to Saul. So now Saul can see him, and Saul has heard him. 
And Saul says, you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And then, and then David has another opportunity. He comes across Saul at his camp, and, and he's asleep. And he has the opportunity to take Saul out right there, and now David would be the king and, and on the throne and running everything. But instead of taking Saul's life, he grabs his spear and his helmet and leaves the camp. And when he gets to a safe enough distance, again, he calls out, Saul, and wakes him up. And upon Saul hearing and seeing him, Saul replies, The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. When Peter writes and quotes from Psalm 34, he is peeling back layers and building upon each other. And he's not giving you some other example. He's giving you King David. A man after God's own heart. He's showing you real-life examples of what it means to be a blessing, to not repay evil for evil. Not only with his words, but when you dig into what David was going through as he writes these words. See, David submitted himself to God and was anointed king. Yet still, he was left in exile and suffering here on earth. And yet still, he obediently submitted. And he blessed instead of seeking revenge. It's a difficult, difficult task, but Peter is encouraging us to let go of the vengeance and the malice and the deceit and the slander and the reviling and the evil in our hearts because like David, we have a trust and a hope in God who is sovereign, who is over all and in charge of all things. So Peter then asks, now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good, if you are passionate for what is good? I mean, it's an interesting question and, and one that we would flip on its head with a pithy statement by saying, no good deed goes unpunished. But we also have to remember what Peter is calling good here isn't what the world calls good. It's not just some random act of kindness, but he's talking about good in the eyes of the Lord. When he calls us to be a blessing to someone, does that merely mean holding a door open? Or does that mean opening the door of the gospel to them? When he calls us to be a blessing to someone, does that mean to encourage them to do you? Or is it a blessing to speak truth in grace to them. What does it mean to do this good, to be this blessing? It's more than surface level. Just as the example he gave us has layers to it, so does this blessing others have layers 
to it. It's one thing to have evil perpetrated upon us and not repay evil with evil. It's another to have evil perpetrated upon us and to repay it with good and to repay it with blessing, to repay it with the hope and the grace you've been given that their eyes may be open to it as well. And so he goes on, and he says there's suffering. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them or be troubled. Have no fear of them. You'll be blessed, even if you suffer for righteousness' sake. He says that we're to have a defense prepared for when anyone asks about our hope. Because as I said, people already think we're foolish because we're wasting time here. But when you get into those moments and you're suffering and yet you are still out blessing others and doing good, being righteous and faithful as Peter has called us to and still in submission. And when someone perpetrates evil or revile against you, you choose to bless them because that is what God has called you to. People are going to begin wondering, why is it that you're doing that? How do you have this hope that allows you to stand strong? in the face of evil and injustice. Be, be prepared to give an answer. But Peter doesn't just preach it. Like David, who wrote the psalm, Peter lived it. For Peter and the other apostles and John, they were preaching in Jerusalem. They were preaching the resurrection of Jesus. And the Sanhedrin council calls them in and says, you guys have to stop this. Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? They had submitted themselves before the Sanhedrin. They were willing to take any earthly consequence the authorities had over them, but they refused to stop doing what God had called them. And they would be called in another time, threatened with their lives, again, being bold. There's a more contemporary example than Peter. There's a time during Soviet communism, as they took over Romania, that a bunch of Romanians, including Christians, were taken and imprisoned and tortured as enemies of the state. And there's a man named Richard Wormbrand, and he was a Jewish Christian minister. He was one of the prisoners during this time. And the prisoners during this time, the, the, Soviet, uh, the Soviet Union would torture them in ways where they would strip them of all their clothes, chain them down to the floor, and make them stand for days and weeks and months on end, withholding food and water and the such. Yet Richard Wormbrand has a story to tell about blessing, about suffering, about submission. He recalls during his time there, he says it was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. That it was, it was understood that whoever was caught preaching to another prisoner would receive a severe beating. 
And he says, a number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching. So we accepted their terms. He says, it was a deal. We preached. They beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. Hear the words he said. He says them in a way where he didn't just go and preach to one prisoner one time and receive one beating. This was a regular occurrence. Willing to lay down and accept every earthly consequences the authorities had over him, but a refusal to do anything but be a blessing to those around him. Such joy in his suffering, a happiness because of the hope he holds on to. You see, as this world changes and the culture changes around us and, and our freedoms slip away as they may, suffering comes closer and closer to our doorsteps. And yet, we cannot be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal or an annoying car alarm. We're not called to long for the past, for the good old days. A time when I can remember when. Because the promise that God has made to us is not a return to a time and place when this world was something that we admired and thought great of. But the promise of God is that there will be a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. All will be made new. There's a hope in our future, not of wishful thinking, but of tangible, real hope. But it comes with our eyes being fixated on Christ. It's with that hope that as exiles, as we submit to authorities, that we are called to go and be a blessing in the ever-growing darkness. Amen. This morning, um, I invite you to stand and sing, It is well with my soul. And I invite you to sing that, and we sing this song today because in the hardest times in our lives, this song, and its lyrics encapsulates the hope we have in Jesus. Would you please stand and sing?